Hello and welcome to this month's episode of the Respiratory Guru, the home of the genuinely useful respiratory updates. My name's Diana Kavanagh and I'm a respiratory consultant working at City and Samwell Hospitals in the West Midlands. The aim of this podcast is to give you a monthly summary of this month's clinically relevant research updates to allow you to feel up to date and on top of your game just in the space of a 40-minute podcast on your commute to work. So... So this month's episode is all about lung ultrasound scan as it's an emerging area, I think, within respiratory and acute medicine in terms of its ability to provide um, a rapid diagnosis and also the location of where that we can perform the ultrasound scan. So, for example, in acute and respiratory medicine, there really feels like a push to have patients in the community, um, either because it's appropriate that they sit between primary and secondary care or that they're in a hospital palliative setting. So to talk more about lung ultrasound scan, we're delighted to be joined by Dr. Saab Clare, MBE, who uh, can talk to us more about her recent book on this subject and, yeah, enlighten us all. So Saab, would you like to introduce yourself? Great. Thanks so much, Diana. Thanks so much for inviting me to this brilliant podcast. I think it's a fantastic resource for all our physicians out there. It's fantastic. So a bit about me. Uh, my name's Saab. I'm an acute medical consultant and also a deputy medical director at the Sandwell and West Birmingham NHS Trust in the UK. And um, for those who know me, I've been doing point of care ultrasound for really nearly 17 years. So when I first started doing this, everyone used to just roll their eyes at me and said, what is this girl doing? But without a doubt, it has been the one thing that I advise all physicians out there, respiratory intensivists, acute physicians, and most importantly, general general practitioners to acquire because it's a real game changer and it empowers you with knowledge to give the best care that you can for your patients. Um, So there you go. That's a bit about me. Okay. I mean, when you say about how to acquire it, um, I think most respiratory consultants shudder at the thought of having to get another logbook signed off because it was such a pain. Not a pain. I mean, I loved it. It was a crucial part of my training, obviously, and embraced it. But we had to do the the logbook for the plural ultrasound. I mean, I'm guessing there has to be some sort of supervised logbook, that kind of thing. I mean, if as respiratory physicians, we want to go on and be deemed and feel competent with respect to lung ultrasound, you know, as you're probably an advisor in this, you know, kind of capacity, what, what would you recommend? Yeah, absolutely. There is, there is formal accreditation out there and, uh, you know, BTS is a clear guidance um, and it has put it, put it out there what you need, as has other bodies, including intensive care and society acute medicine. But perhaps we should just go one step backwards before we acquire that skill. And, and that's really, I'm reaching out to the pessimists in the audience thinking, do we really need to do it? And what's the value of it? <laughs> And what I would say is that there's huge amount of evidence out there on why you should do it. And, and I'm going to talk about really a few domains. You already know about the plural stuff, which is safe and plural procedures. Uh, you know, we've reduced mortality and morbidity, uh, reduced, you know, harm to our patients. So I'm not going to talk about that because all you guys know about that. But the evidence out there for lung ultrasound in acute respiratory failure is massive. And it was really done by, we call him the guru of long ultrasound, Liechtenstein and his colleagues back in 2008. Mm-hmm. And what he, he did is created a protocolized long ultrasound pathway, which picked up pneumothorax, promyedema, consolidation. And it was found to be superior 
than our auscultation and our clinical skills. And mm-hmm. there's a huge amount of data which shows that, you know, the specificity and sensitivity of long ultrasound is really comparable to CT scanning, whereas chest yeah. x-ray and auscultation is, is sitting in your sort of 40%, you know, sort of very low 30%, which is really eye-opening. Yeah. And if I go back to when I started doing long ultrasound, and I'll tell you something, uh, a secret between you and me is that, <laughs> And the audience is that I actually taught it myself because in those days, 17 years ago, we never had courses, we never had accreditation. Yeah. So um, I'm an echo sort of specialist, so I scan hearts, but I, then I started scanning lungs and think, okay, what's going on here? Okay, mm. what's happening in the lung? And putting it all together, what was the first thing that really surprised me scanning lungs was, oh my gosh, the diaphragm is really high. Yes, and yeah. Yeah. you don't find that you know yeah. oh my god the liver is sitting here the spleen is sitting here yeah so first of all the evidence is out there so this work done by Leeton Style is called the blue protocol um and it's about diagnosing patients who are in acute respiratory dis- distress and what it showed is that you make diagnosis quicker and the impact is massive so I guess we could just start off then um with a quick example if that's okay but we'll work up to more I guess more complicated examples so 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 I'm coming at this with a respirit with my respiratory cap on and to be fair not not especially front door actually which is probably where I'm missing that kind of that experience and that that mindset but um I mean, for example, um, let's take one of a, of a pneumothorax. That to me is a bit like, oh, you know, two centimetre rim. Um, that's what I want to know about when it comes to putting a chest, you know, chest drain in. But, you know, can you can you walk me through and, and, and I guess convince me yeah, about a patient who, for example, might even be on the respiratory ward, you know, and uh, or, or down in ED where, I would naturally just want to get a portable chest x-ray. Can you walk me through how yeah. this can help? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if someone comes in acute respiratory distress, they're really sick, so we can't get a portable or they generally can't move. Yeah. You can diagnose pneumothorax and the specificity is 100%. I mean, it's, wow. this is, you know, brilliant. And what I would say is that I can tell you case after case after case where I've been told chest x-ray is normal. Yeah. We've picked up a pneumothorax. Wow. Simply okay. because they're not right and you think okay well the chest x-ray looks good to me uh clinically i can hear breath sounds but actually when you scan them you yeah. can diagnose pneumothorax yeah and yeah. the other thing that i want to say the intensive care you know we've had yeah. several cases where why is a patient getting worse yeah. you know uh shall we get chest x-ray should we send them to ct no you don't need to do that a two-minute yeah. ultrasound will pick up pneumothoraces and this was predominant in covid19 where we did see and you remember, we saw a huge amount of a peak in pneumothoraces, not just intensive care, but patients coming with COVID-19. And everyone was saying, oh, it's a COVID. Uh, and then when you scanned them, you could pick up pneumothorax. And, yeah. and that sign is what we call, you know, you, you don't see the sliding. Yeah. You have something called a barcode sign. And you see something called a lung point, which is 100% sensitive for a pneumothorax. And I absolutely love it when my couple of my juniors come to me and say, you're not going to believe this, but I've just diagnosed a, a pneumothorax on long ultrasound where the chest X-ray did not pick it up. That's interesting. So, 
I think that's so interesting from a spirit, yeah, from a spiritual point of view, because so we weren't quite intensive care during the pandemic, but we had a sort of a respiratory specialist unit, as it were. And yeah, you think about it, you say portable chest x-rays, they can be really rubbish because they don't take a deep breath in because, uh, you know, because they can't. And then you've got, yeah, the posture is terrible. And, it, and it's such a mixed picture, actually, to be able to really tease apart, just so, tease apart the differential so I can, yeah. Okay, that was a, that was a quick it's, it's sell. Always but... growing, you know. With, you know, we talk about reassessment and re-reviewing, and you know, asking that question: Why? Why isn't this patient getting better? You know, this patient's yeah. got asthma, but they were given the treatment, but still not getting better. The chest X-ray yeah. is fine. Put your probe on, and you, the answers will be there. And what I, I, I always I say it's a game changer because once you start doing it, yeah. and you've got that case, you never go back. That's really interesting. Okay. I'm a convert. I'll get an ultrasound scan machine. I can tell you more. I can tell you more. <laughs> uh, okay, right. So if we just sort of um, take it back just for a bit of sort of education purposes for the, you know, yeah. for the kind of respiratory listeners, because say to put you in the frame, as it were, respiratory trainees, we have to do, like we say, our plural logbooks. So we're great at picking up a plural effusion. And of course we do see that sometimes we don't see a plural effusion. We do see dense consolidation. So, you know, we are, we are used to that. Um, but when it comes to say lung ultrasound, I mean, I'm going to tell the truth. I haven't used the non-curvilinear probe ever, apart from by accident once in 2012. Um, I always just go for that one. So, you know, we get taught how to use it on the course, uh, which I did say 10 years ago. But, um, you know, if you put a gun to my head, I couldn't tell you what how I'd identify lung sliding. I couldn't I, I couldn't tell you how I'd identify comet tails and that kind of thing. I, I, I It's there in, in my periphery, mm. but I, I wouldn't be able to sort of actually um, teach a, a junior about it so um for so for all those listeners that might be in a similar position to me where they would like just a little quick update about interpretation of lung ultrasound could you run us through some of the um sure. you know the diagnostics sure. yeah absolutely so lung ultrasound i would say i, and I always advise my uh, juniors and, and colleagues to that is the first sort of ultrasound, point of care ultrasound to learn why, because it's the easiest one. It's simple, it's quick, and it's really about learning about artifacts. Now, if your lung's normal, you don't see much because it's just all air. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant because you see all the abnormalities when there's something there. So if you have something called A-lines, which are horizontal lines, they're reflections of your pleural line, the lung is normal. Mm-hmm. B-lines are vertical lines and essentially are sort of fluid within the um, low bar and essentially can mean lots of things. If they are uh, less than three, it's essentially normal. But if they're more than three, it can mean edema, it can mean um, pulmonary fibrosis and diagnosis of things like as we viral pneumonitis. Mm-hmm. You of course have then your, you can pick up your consolidation. So you can pick up fluid bronchograms as well as air bronchograms as well. And there's lots of other things such as Empyema, you have something called the plankton sign, which is swirling of that mm. um, debris within within um, fluid, which is classical of an empyema. Hemoneumothorax yeah. um, I've picked up as well in patients who are really sick and they can't go into um, a scanner or go into um, radiography for a chest X-ray and who are clinically too unstable. And again, that brings me back to that portability of a lung ultrasound. Yeah. You can take it anywhere and do it at the bedside. So what I would say is, I mean, 
I mean, there's lots of signs um, and I could go through all of them, but, you know, it's about knowing what does normal look like, which is your A lines and your seashore sign and so forth. But what is abnormal and your abnormals really are, what does promyedema look like, which is essentially B lines and a pleural fusion. What does consolidation look like, which is essentially there's lots of signs. It looks like cheese. It can mm. look like liver and that's yes. a hepatization of your lung. And that has got mixed up at times. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you'll know what an effusion looks like. But the beauty of a fusion is you can tell on a lung ultrasound what does a transudate look like and what does an exudate look like. In transudate, the underlying uh, lung is moving very, very freely, whereas in exudate, it's not as much. Mm. And you often see that paranemonic um, consolidated lung under that. You can yeah. diagnose other things like um, diaphragm paresis as well. Okay. Um, and of course, um, COVID-19, lung ultrasound was absolutely critical. And there's a clear sequelae of signs that you've seen COVID-19, which is progression of the illness, which I can go into as well. Okay. So, yes, I mean, say with, the, with the, uh, the lung and the liver, I think we've all been there, where you can sort of see like tubes, you know, running through both. And it is that liver architecture or is that lung architecture? We've all been there. We've gone to put a chest drain in and seen that hepatitis well say lung yeah. or liver and actually it's quite hard to you know you find Intensive. the diaphragm that yeah. that's what you do but um yeah, and hemonemothorax i mean yes I, I wouldn't say as a respiratory consultant i have uh, seen it in that patient before i mean it does it just look thicker more homogenous um in a hemonemothorax yeah, so yeah i mean you get a combination of air in there as well as um this plankton sign which is that mm. sort of swirling of debris within that and it's it's really interesting because I can remember a case very clearly of this patient was too sick to go anywhere and lashing out and we we put the scanner on and said okay this this we need to sort this out with the drain and stuff so um but it was all diagnosed on 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 ultrasound and bringing it back to the patient you know the portability the time to making a diagnosis is you know and then there's evidence out there you you improve the patient journey you decrease length of stay, mm-hmm. you reduce harm. Yeah. But also, you know, taking someone who's unstable to a CT scanner or chest X-ray, we know can make the patient even worse. Yeah. But also what I would say is that the patients get to see what you're doing to them. It's like, okay. I mean, COVID-19 was a brilliant example. Yeah. When our patients were getting better, I would say to them, look, look, your A-lines, you know, this means that you're getting better because everyone was really scared. We were all yeah. scared. Patients yeah. were scared. They didn't know what was going on. And we were the only people that were seeing them. And we were scanning them and showing them what was going on in the lungs. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. That's, um, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, like I say, I, in terms of speed of diagnosis and, and locality of it, I can, yeah, in terms of these sick patients. Yeah, I was just saying those pessimists out there thinking, oh my gosh, do I really need to do this as a respiratory physician? Um, you know, to learn lung ultrasound will not take long for you guys at all. You've got the knowledge, you've yeah. got the skills or but it's just about that application the more you do it yeah. and and it's really tough to do it on everybody it's the, those cases where you see okay clinically there's a solid effusion on a chest x-ray and clinically you found that mm. but they're, they're not getting better and and then when you actually scan them oh my gosh it's 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 good going consolidation the patient's deteriorating they need CPAP mm. you know, and you know initially you may think they need a drain so it does change your yes. management 
yeah no I can picture many a case where I've been in that situation with the patient that you've put a drain in and they're not getting better and why are they not why have they not responded to the drain uh, a CT scan is is, is a, a you know a one-shot static image as well and having that that dynamic picture focused dynamic imaging tool yeah I can absolutely cast my mind back to think of times where it would have been helpful so thank you I'll really look forward to taking this back to our respiratory department so thank you so shall we go on and talk about so to bring it to life as it were some real life examples if you if if you don't mind I think when we'd said prior to doing this episode you said that you could talk about for example you know cases I don't know COVID we can talk about COVID and I, and, I, and I do find it very interesting. I think what I also find interesting is where you said that Ultratown had dramatically changed the management because I find that really interesting because I, I kind of hope that COVID, I'm, I'm an optimist um, and I, yeah. I kind of hope that those horrendous days are behind us. Although, I mean, if you want to talk about it, if you want some yeah, therapy. I mean, let's, do, let's get COVID out of the way and done with and then we'll go on to yeah. Yeah. normal life. But yeah, COVID, I mean, I feel that, what you know, COVID did great things for lung ultrasound. Mm. You know, there were departments where radiology were just giving everyone ultrasound and saying, go for it because, you know, it, and it was great because then we had the equipment and we really learned from the guys from China and Italy where they were completely inundated mm. with cases and patients everywhere. They stopped doing chest x-rays and they stopped doing um, CTs because they were overwhelmed and what they started yeah. doing is doing long ultrasound yeah. and we were able to diagnose long ultrasound really from their intelligence because they were finding specific changes and these changes were pleural thickening yeah bee lines as in the f- sense of there was fluid within the, the lung coalescing of these bee lines which is that waterfall sign subpleural consolidation and then sort of consolidation within the lung and very few people had pleural effusions and this was the schemata and the progression of COVID-19 and what I found is that it was great for a triaging the patients so you could put them in the right stream but during the peaks there was just one stream it was great for um, really avoiding chest x-ray and CT so in the first surge we did very few CT scans right and that was important for spreading of nasocomial infection throughout the organization yes yeah and um for me i use long ultrasound really for escalation of care and so for instance when i found my patients were deteriorating rather than get chest x-ray i would scan them and i found that the changes were more predominant in the upper zones yeah and i knew then that things were going you know sort of badly and then i would pick up the phone to itu and you guys and get help that they need cpap or intubation at that point and that was really a game changer because otherwise you'd have to get a ct or chest x-ray and we weren't doing that at that time no because of I say um there wasn't the uh, yeah it's a really good point about if they're infectious you know you couldn't move them around and I say if they've got drips and oxygen if they're unstable you know actually it's not convenient to put them into a ct scanner so Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. see and that. Yeah. Resources around that. We were already, you know, understaffed mm. and, and so forth were massive. So, and providing this right at the bedside was was, was great. Yeah. And, and, and as I said, going back to what was great and gratifying for us as clinicians was when patients were getting better because we saw A-lines, which was like, yes, yes. we can yeah, be hard evidence. The patient is getting better and we could see it. And the beauty was you're just seeing exactly what's happening inside the patient's lungs at that point of time. Yes, you know, yeah. Which, 
which was really satisfying. And that's the thing as well, I guess, because, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it'd take a lot to convert me away from CT scans, but I think you just have because you can do serial ultrasounds where you can't do serial CT scans. You know, because of the radiation dose, um, yeah. it's not appropriate to look for that radiological resolution with repeat serial yeah. CT scans, but you can do it with ultrasound yeah. scan. Which and I'm is starting a, a campaign calling, saying that all cardiologists long ultrasound should be mandated in their curriculum because yeah. heart failure is a classical example where you can diagnose it on long ultrasound but monitor the treatment mm. why are you sending them for a repeat chest x-ray mm-hmm. you know and clinically we know that we can't really pick up yeah. these signs and chest x-ray is not great yeah. and what i found is you know you know that you look at a chest x-ray the fusion actually looks quite small but when you scan them it's massive yes so it's, yeah it's completely different absolutely just talk a bit about itu and covid and and um it was great because one of our physiotherapists i've trained up in long ultrasound she was absolutely key in itu because our patients with covid we didn't know what was going on they weren't being we couldn't wean them what was going on with them they were really sick and she picked up as i said lots of pneumothoraces lots of really dense consolidation which really helped the clinicians decide okay we need to prone these guys we need to put in chest strain it really mm-hmm. empowered them with that knowledge without having them to take them to, to, to um ct scanning so yeah. that's really long ultrasound within covid yeah no it's fascinating um with pneumothorax we always get a bit touchy about the the depth of the pneumothorax is is with lung ultrasound a yes or a no with that because you know because obviously you want to know you're safe to put your needle in yes, um, yes. i mean the recommendations are always still you know the safety triangle but you can measure uh, yeah. where it is. And, and i think the most important thing is finding that lung point because the yeah. lung point tells you where the differentiation line is between uh. So you can get a depth from the lung ultrasound. Yes, about... you can. Yeah. Oh, I see. I didn't realise that. I thought it was just absence of lung sliding and, and then that was it. But I didn't realise you could get a depth yeah. just to give you that confidence to advance yes. the needle in. Yeah. Like I say, in the safety triangle. So especially yeah. in an emergency. Yeah. Absolutely, so, yeah. yeah, fascinating. Thank you so much. So then, yeah, I guess uh, what else should we talk about? Do you say where it's so dramatically it's changed? In general, I mean, yeah, I can tell you about some cases, for instance, yeah. you know, You've got your young young patients that often come in with a good going consolidation, but you know they're not getting better. They're spiking temperatures, and I, I remember a case that had been sitting on on the AMU, you know, been given IV antibiotics, but keeps spiking and spiking. The F1 is doing more blood cultures and carry on antibiotics and paracetamol, and then you come Monday morning, this patient's peri arrest, really sick, and you just think, okay, the chest X-ray is not really. It just shows a bit of consolidation. It doesn't really marry. But when you scan them, this Mm. this guy had really horrible consolidation, but a good going, what we call a plankton sign with lots of debris, had an empyema. And when we stuck in the needle, pH is 6.9. You know, this patient needs um, uh, a drain urgently. Yeah, a drain urgently as well. So that really does change management because no one thought, okay, they could have an empyema. No one thought okay, I need mm. to do a scan. And yeah. the ability to do a scan enables to do the procedure. And yeah. ASAP. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, from a respiratory point of view, that's, you know, empyema is something, I mean, this will probably be 
clear to most spiritual trainees but I always say that you've really got to um you know empyema you, you must fix it ASAP because if that you know if, if the pleura becomes then thickened as it were then it, it, it may well not go back to normal they may well lose a portion of their lung function for life so if that's someone young they will not run a marathon again they will not compete you know in sport again you know and actually it's so important to be able to get that person back to their baseline by um finding that empyema as soon as possible because you can get irreversible damage um, and for a young person that's you know life-changing so yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. And the, the other places i would talk about really is you know we all know that everyone sort of thing comes to us with undifferentiated chunks of breath yeah. <laughs> and they're given everything aren't they fruits my antibiotics and oxygen and, and fluids yeah and fluids yeah. all combined and and i think the beauty is that the evidence out there really shows that long ultrasound is very sensitive for features of heart failure which is beelines and effusion yeah. and i think that's I, I just want to call this out because i think it's really important that you know these patients are given everything for this for their undifferentiation of breath mm. but the ability to differentiate pneumonia and heart failure is really key for patients, especially yeah. right at the beginning, because they're because what we're doing is we're causing more damage, aren't we? Yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. I've that, seen it. Yeah, I've seen people uh, diaries, and that that's not the problem. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just, and then that yeah. journey carries on, doesn't it? Until they've seen actually a senior doctor where yeah. that diagnosis is made. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, yeah, I think it's great because it's uh, ability to have. It kind of forces you as well it can be I think it can be all too easy when you're a junior doctor and tired as well just to go through the you know the chest yeah. x-ray make make the diagnosis that fits best and move on but actually kind of forcing you but that that way of thinking to not just do a chest x-ray and just give some fluids but to actually do a focused test what you know what is my differential and can I rule it in or out I think it's great yeah and to reassure the audience out there look no one's asking you to do any in-depth you know ultrasound you're asking a question yeah. And your history and exam is going to guide you to ask a question. So you can ask yourself, okay, is there, is there mnemonic changes in the long ultrasound? Yes, no. Is there features of heart failure in the long ultrasound? Yes, no. No one's asking you to do anything in depth. And yeah. what I'm going to say to the audience out there also is that if you're thinking, okay, I'm not going to do this, what I will say to you is that your juniors will be doing it before you. Yeah. Uh, within the USA, point of care ultrasound and long ultrasound is essentially a mandated part of the curriculum. It's now within several of our medical undergraduate schools, uh, Leeds um, and down south. And it's going to be part of normal teaching of anatomy, physiology. Yeah, um, it, it really is. Because my question to all of you guys, again, is how many times do you do whispering practically and percussion note in your day to day work? And this is what we've been we're teaching our mm. students in medical school, yeah. which is not really applicable for what no. we do now we've got the technology we've got the yeah. portability yeah and the long ultrasound just shows you what's going on inside the patient's lungs so your medical Absolutely. students who will be your f1s who will be your registrars will be more equipped in this skill and i've had colleagues come to me and say you know what so about gosh you know all my juniors know how to do this and i i don't know what's going on you yeah. know quick so, yeah yeah absolutely yeah. so i think we need to i think if we don't jump onto this bandwagon we're going to really lose an opportunity yeah no I, I, yeah i absolutely get it yeah so and we've got your book as well i'm just looking at it okay, now your you. book that so, you yeah, recently my, my released book really is, is a sort of dedication to 17 plus years of doing um you know ultrasound point of care ultrasound and it's not just long ultrasound but it's also 
echo abdomen uh, palliative care it covers a whole load and yeah. i wrote that with my um registrar dr chris duncan and his real passion of ours because we really want to empower our colleagues with this skill and, yeah. and really have a chapter on um really pre-hospital care care out in the community yeah. and really you know being being able to provide healthcare out to those who cannot access it and we can close that gap of health inequalities um so you know people in remote situations so you know i've done some work in cape town being able to scan uh, patients out there you know who would normally die from that illness but actually yes. you've got x y and z so so it's really great that we can provide the diagnostics to the patient and a project that we're doing at the moment which is called epicenter which is yeah. essentially where we provide acute care out in the community and we go out and we do point of care ultrasound and long ultrasound is the most common thing we do mm-hmm. but we can provide antibiotics for chest uh, infections out there um, but we don't send them in for a chest x-ray or ct scans because we can diagnose it in their own whilst home. they're in their own yeah. home and you can imagine every patient loves it no got, I, I almost do and don't want to talk about epicenter because i'm i'm so jealous <laughs> <laughs> you've got this setup in the community working so well that it um <laughs> politically I don't think I can go there but I'd love to I think it's brilliant I, mm. I really I do a lot of integrated care um mm. in a different kind of way and I've been to the epicenter and I, I think you know I think you've got some great fellows working yeah. out in the community and I, I really yeah. think it's the way forward of, of, of how we um move away from primary it's a separate conversation but how we move away from primary and secondary care and how we break down that barrier in our head and in general in the nhs to having an integrated care i find really interesting yeah and you've hit the nail on the head we have to really change the narrative of everyone comes to hospital you know yeah we cannot cope we are we are we are dying here we just there's no beds the workforce is fatigued we haven't got the resources so let's turning on its head and see how we can provide acute care in you know in the patient's own environment we don't decondition them we don't expose them to the harm that we do in hospitals it's it's fantastic however yes we don't hit as many big numbers as we would do in hospital because the capacity is there but for that individual patient yeah for experience and everything yeah yeah, I quite agree. And then, like I say, picking up infections. And then once you're in, I suspect there's some numbers around it. But then once you're in hospital, you then have a huge risk of deconditioning. You have a huge, you know, alone before you, you know, there's a possible risk of picking up something like a hospital acquired infection. But, you know, I don't know what the, I, I've got, I, th- I feel like I've got a number in my head of at least a week, you know, the, the length of stay of someone that, didn't need to come in as it were you know it's probably like a week plus and that's, that's a bed and the, the patient experience is poor 19 has really taught us some great things you know yeah hospitals are dangerous places you know yeah. and we need to learn from that and we know that lots of people didn't want to come into hospital because of covid and many caught in sadly um mm. died from it yeah yeah absolutely so i watch this space with integrated care i think it's a really interesting really interesting and necessary for um for the for the stress for the pressures on hospitals but also also for patient experience so fine so i guess in terms of wrapping up have you got any sort of final points that you'd like to talk about either with ultrasound or just generally i think this is quite nice to have the ear of an acute physician i think so i think i think um 
how I see acute medicine is our job is to highlight to our respiratory physicians yeah. the cases that you know you need to see. Um, we we need to work as one team as as, as we always do. Yeah. And I would say out to the audience, if you're look, if you've got a second thoughts about doing lung ultrasound, really please take up the probe, have a go at it. There's lots of courses out there, and there is accreditation pathway. Feel free to contact me if you've got any concerns. Um, I can leave my email. If yeah. you're still, you know, not sure, I've got a website called www.generalistultrasound.com, and um, the book is called Ultrasound for the Generalist: A Guide to Point of Care Imaging really yeah. to entice you, but also provide you with the skills to be able to deliver this, this service. Yeah. But it really, what I would say to you, my last point is it's really part of your, what you do as a clinician. So part yeah. of your history and then your examination, it will be part of that. And, you know, you watch in 10 years time, nobody will bat an eyelid and it will be as part as yeah. normal, been. normal as CT yeah. scanning. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, I'll put the links to those things on the podcast info. Thank you so much. I've you've converted in the space of 30, 40 minutes, you've converted me. Although now I'm acutely aware of the weight that's on my shoulders to take it back to the whole respiratory team and pioneer it. But yeah, why not? So that's 2022's job. So yeah. thank yeah. you so much for your time and thank you for everyone to, for listening to me. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Saab. Yeah, have a great day. If you liked what you heard today, then please do disseminate to your peers and colleagues and leave a review and hit subscribe. Thank you very much.